0: If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to turn back to James chapter 3, and we're going to finish up what I started last week about the Holy, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for the last several months, really, and the different ways that He's our helper. Jesus said that I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and He's going to be a helper to you, and He's going to help you in a lot of different ways. And so we've been going over that for the last several months, I hope that you've been listen to this and, and, and you've been keeping up with it. Certainly last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit helps us by giving us wisdom. Now, I know we all need wisdom. The world needs wisdom. And the question that James 3.13 poses to us says, who is wise Among you. Now, we asked that question last week. That can kind of be a loaded question because how do we know what true wisdom is? The world talks about what wisdom is, and then God's Word talks about what wisdom is. And I think we need to be careful that we don't go with what the world's wisdom says, but really what God's Word says because there's a lot of things that we would consider to be wise, but in fact, they're not. They may be legal, they may be acceptable but they're not wise. I gave some examples last week. Drinking is legal, but is it wise? Recreational drug use, it's legal, but is it wise? Getting into debt, is it legal? Is it wise? Gossiping, is it, it's legal, certainly, but is it wise? Social media drama, oh my goodness, it's legal. It shouldn't be, but it is. But is it wise? How about sex outside of marriage? That's legal, but is that wise? How about pornography? It's legal, but is it wise? The list goes on and on and on and on of things that we can do that are legal and some even acceptable in our culture by some, but are they wise? Are they wise to to, uh, engage in? Now, I imagine we all want to avoid a life lived with foolishness as part of what we do. That person there is a fool. I don't want anyone to be called that. I know you don't want to be called that. In fact, I think we all want to live a godly, wise life instead. How many would rather live a godly, wise life than a foolish life, amen? Yeah, well, you've come to a good place because today we're going to take the second part of this and find out what it means to live a life that is godly, wise. I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit gives us all of these things that we need to live a life that's uh, empowering and he guides us on all these different things, but Lord knows we need wisdom. The Holy Spirit uh, is the Spirit of Jesus. Know that. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing. And he is, since Jesus is living inside of us, that same wisdom is living inside of us. Understand that, all right? So Isaiah eleven two 2 actually says it this way. It says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon Jesus, will rest upon the Messiah, will rest upon him. And the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. There's a lot of things that are packed into that one verse right there. A thing I just want to point out to you is that the spirit of the Lord is the spirit of wisdom and it's resting upon Christ who is now living inside of us so we can access that spirit of wisdom anytime we need to and live in it. Now the Holy Spirit can help us live a life filled with and led by the limitless wisdom of the, of the spirit of Christ. And so with that said, let's look at James 3.13 uh, that we started with last week. It Ask the question, who is wise and who is understanding among you? And then he says, it kind of points to it, if you, if you want to be wise and if you want to be understanding, then it's going to show up by a good life that you're going to live, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So living a good a wise life and an understanding life we talked about the last the first two last week, and we can actually break this down into four different keys in this one verse. He gives us this really brief roadmap of how to live a wise life. The first one is this: you have to have a seeking heart. The second one is you have to make wise choices as you have a seeking heart, you will then be able to make wise choices, and then those that 's what we covered last week. then the next two today we 're going to cover is As a result of that, as you have a seeking heart that follows hard after God, it's not just a head knowledge of God, but it's a heart relationship with him. It's that daily, intimate walk with Jesus. As you seek him, you will find him because Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And by the way, everything in a relationship with God is a heart issue with him. Everything. And there's no more than, in our, than our heart seeking after God. Everything in our lives is a hard issue with God. And I hope, by the way, that you've made the wise choice to pursue God, to follow hard after God this week more than you've ever done before in your life and more than anything else in your life. I hope that you've followed hard after God this week, that you've said finally this week, this is it. I have let so many other things get between me and God, but no more. I'm going to follow hard after him as my primary pursuit. I hope that that's what you've decided to do this week more than ever before. So James says, who has wisdom among you? That, in other words, that seeking heart, that, that, that sense of following hard after God, then he continues by asking, who has understanding among you? We talked about this last week. In other words, what he's saying is, who is a specialist in the field of wisdom? And we all know specialists in our life, specialists in the areas of, uh, of whatever Whatever, uh, whatever position that you work in right now, whatever field of study that you had when you were younger and what you've been doing for the last 10, 20, 30 years or more, I would say that the more you've done it, the better you've gotten at it. And I would say that you're a specialist in it. You're a specialist in it. I wouldn't want to be a, a nurse. I wouldn't know what to do. But, you know, Shekinah, you're a specialist in that. You've done it for all these years. I wouldn't want to be a teacher at a, at a school. Uh, I'm not a good teacher of, you know, math or anything like that. I mean, I've done it, but I'm not a specialist in it. And each of you, engineers and doctors and lawyers and, 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 and construction people and those that just work in these fields that you work in. Man, if, I'm gonna, if I need to electric work done, Billy, I'm calling you. If I need plumbing done, John, I'm calling you because I'm going to mess it up you guys are experts in these fields, right? So thank God for experts, amen? But Lord knows we need experts in the field of wisdom, don't we? Don't we, church? We need experts in the field of wisdom, in the field of understanding. So how can you become a specialist in the field of wisdom? Well, last week we talked about it. First off, you hang out. There's a couple of options. You hang out with wise people. You hang out with people who have a depth of knowledge and experience of God that can help you make godly, wise choices. You don't want to be hanging around a fool. You don't want to be hanging around a heathen. You don't want to be hanging around someone who's an atheist. You don't want to be hanging around someone who has no relationship with God whatsoever, do you? And to learn godly wisdom, you'll never learn that. You'll learn how not to be, but you'll never learn how to be. In fact, Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. As much as hanging out with fools leads to much harm, so hanging out with wise people brings much blessing and much protection. So let's hang out with godly wise people and therefore we will become godly wise. Observe the fools. Observe the foolish people that you know about. You see on the news. You see and read about, you know, and different things that are going on. You see, you witness the foolishness and the results of their lives. Now observe the wise, the godly wise, those that are being disciplined, making the right choices, putting God first, following after him hard, right? Would you rather enjoy the fruits of the foolish or would you rather enjoy the fruits of the wise? Wise people, I hope, are the ones that we desire to hang around because as we hang around them, we will become wiser in the Lord. Godly wise people. Now, wise people, we talked about this last week, they mentor you. And in turn, by the way, as they mentor you, as they pour into you, you can then in turn pour into others. We're not just gonna be wise so that we can be wise, walk around saying, I'm wise. But we're wise and we gain godly wisdom so that we can impart it to others. It's passing it on, right? So God's expecting us, those of us who've been around a little bit longer in the Lord, to not just keep it to ourselves and hold on to it, but to let it pour out and let it infect and spread out to others. Just as foolishness does, so does godly wisdom. And God has given you a resource of wisdom in your life of experience and knowledge and just testing that he asks you and hopes and desires that you would then pour it into other people. You also experience being a specialist, not through hanging around with wise people, but also hanging out, uh, experiencing pain in your life. There's a lot of pain that goes on in our lives, is there not? You wake up one morning and think it's going to be a good day. And by the end of the day, you think, man, what just happened to this day? and that day turns into a week into a month into a year and you're going through a tough season you go through pain and remember last week we talked about how gold uh people that pay for gold they go out and they they find a certain thing that kind of looks like gold but if you talk to people that are experts on identifying what gold is there's the real stuff there's also something called fool's gold and fool's gold looks like gold probably feels like gold but you go ahead and take that to a person who buys gold for a living, and they'll say, you've been had. That's not the real thing. There's the real stuff, and then there's the fake stuff. And then we also talked about how, you know, a lump of coal, if you put too much pressure on it for too, too very long, guess what happens to it? It turns into a diamond, does it not? There's a lot of lumps of coal out there, a lot of fools that run from the pain and run from the stress because they just feel like, I just want an easy life. But God puts us through this stuff, this pressure, because he wants us to be diamonds. He wants us to be precious jewels for him. So we asked the question last week, do you want fool's gold and coal or do you want to be a real gold and precious diamond sort of person? Wisdom knows what is right and we know what is right based on God's word. By the way, that Bible that you're holding in your hand today is a lamp to your feet. It's a light to your path. It's true north it's clear direction, it never changes, it's constant, it's true, it's solid ground. You can count on God's word when all around is shifting sand, when the culture says this is right now where it used to be wrong, where culture says that you're old fashioned, where culture says you're narrow, where culture calls us all sorts of names. I stand on God's word, we should stand on God's word because God's word is where true wisdom is found. And God's word will never change. But not only do we need to know what God's word says, church, but we actually need to do God's word. We need to have the courage to step in and say, as for me and my house, we will serve God. The Lord. It takes courage to be godly wise in a generation that is pushing everything that is godly and holy and righteous and pure off to the sidelines to say, that was yesterday, that's old hat, this is the new thing. But the new thing is a path of destruction that will lead you off of a cliff and down into the pit of hell. Be careful. Stand upon God's word and embrace God's word and live out God's word That's where you gain godly wisdom. So this brings us to the results of this pursuit of living out a wise life based on God's word and that ever-growing relationship with Jesus. So he asks the question, who is wise and understanding among you? And then he continues by saying he should show his works by good behavior and conduct. Now James chooses a very important word to describe this third mark of a life, filled with God's wisdom. Some translations, your translation may say something to the effect of, he should show up by his good behavior. That's the version that I read. There's some other translations that you maybe are reading that says, calls it noble conduct. I don't know what translation you have. That gets a little closer, better than good behavior. But James uses an adjective that is in its truest sense, he means the word beautiful. Can you say the word beautiful with me? See, what James is saying is he should show his works by a beautiful life, a beautiful life. It describes something that is pleasing to the eye. Now, We can relate to this. There's a lot of things that are pleasing to our eyes. We look around at these beautiful decorations. These are quite pleasing to the eyes. This coming Thursday, maybe you're going to have a nice festive Thanksgiving table with all the pretty decorations on it. That's pleasing to the eyes. I can tell you that I look at Kelly, and she's very pleasing to my eyes. You look at your spouse, and they're very pleasing to your eyes. You can look at a beautiful sunset, very pleasing to our eyes. You can look at our cute children and grandchildren, very pleasing to our eyes, as long as they're sleeping. (laughs) Kidding. Precious, precious grandchildren and children that we have, they're pleasing to our eyes. They're gifts from God, you know? The beauty of nature. But applied to people and the way that they live their lives, this is what James was meaning. and The Holy Spirit through James was meaning for us it means, a beautiful, it means beautiful by reason of purity of heart and life. Think about that for just a second. Beautiful by reason of purity of heart and life. So what James is saying here is saying that a seeking heart, one that follows hard after God, leads us to wise choices that results in a beautiful life. Not a perfect life, not a flawless life, but a beautiful life. Here's what I want to point out with this this morning, that people are watching us all the time. Did you know that people are watching you all the time? Whether they're unbelievers, whether they're believers, friends, family, what we say and what we do, church, it matters. Listen to me this morning. Do you realize that what you say and what you do matters? People are watching you. Today, when you go to the restaurant, after church, you go out to eat. The way that you treat your waitress or your waiter, it matters because they're watching you. They know you just came from church. You're dressed up enough. You know, you can tell. They can tell. They can tell. You're praying over your meal. They can tell. The way you treat that wait staff matters. Tomorrow, when you go to work, the way you treat your coworkers, it matters It matters what you say to them and what you do to them, how you interact with them. Tomorrow, students, listen to me. I know you're watching this in the classroom. When you go to school tomorrow, the way you treat your teachers, the way you treat your classmates, it matters. In your interaction with total strangers, in your interaction with social media friends, in your interaction with other people, how you treat them matters. People are watching you in the days and the weeks to come as you experience this holiday rush pretty much starting it feels like it's already been going for the last few weeks and visiting with family and friends over the holidays those that you should love to see come and those that you love to see go, you know the ones I'm talking about how you treat them matters Having Jesus, a Jesus bumper sticker on your car while you're flipping off the rude driver who cut you off is not living a beautiful life by reason of purity of heart and life. You don't have a fish sticker on your car and then do something that's contrary to that. Yelling at your wife or kids because you had a bad day at work or you're just in a bad mood because you're going through a tough spot. You can't control your temper. That's not living a beautiful life by reason of purity of heart and life. Being rude or inconsiderate to someone because you can is not living a beautiful life by reason of purity and heart and life. You see, a wise person who is following hard after God will gain the heart of Christ. And as it relates to our interaction with others, that heart will help us to live a beautiful life as the purity of Christ flows out from us. That's wisdom. And here's the principle that we need to embrace. And it's probably going to be on the screen, so write this down. Live your life in such a way so that everyone, especially, really, and including unbelievers, but everyone, your family, co-workers, you name it, live your life in such a way so that everyone is impressed by your behavior. And not impressed like, wow, I'm really impressed by them. They're really got a great personality. They're funny. They're... Polite? No, there's something going on inside of you in Christ that's coming out in a way that they can't put their finger on, but you're different than that other person that I know. Live your life in such a way so that everyone is impressed, their spirit is impressed by your behavior. They're ministered to. Whether you know it or not, people are watching us all the time. I've actually had a couple people just this week tell me Say, yeah, I remember some years ago I was sitting down eating with you and you didn't eat your whole plate. You just saved half of it and you took half of it home because he was talking about how he needs to eat better. I was like, okay, and that's what I do all the time. That impressed him. And that was years ago he remembered that. Can't say that it's, I mean, it's helping a little, but I need to work on maybe just doing a fourth of my plate now, I think. Metabolism is slowing down. I had someone else say to me this week, um, yeah, I see how you. Hey, you, you don't keep stuff. You throw stuff away after a while. I just, I'm learning that from you that you don't just let things collect and clutter, but you keep things, you keep things clean. I said, well, that's a good one. Okay, I appreciate that, you know? So little things like that. Now, that doesn't mean that neither one of those are spiritual, but I'm just saying that the people are observing you. And you don't even realize it, and I didn't realize that they were looking at the way that I took half of my food home or that I don't keep things cluttery, but it impressed them. So what else are people observing in my life? that really make an eternal impact, right? What else are people observing in your life that people are saying, well, if that's a Christian, then I either don't wanna be a Christian or I do wanna be a Christian. Oh, let's all be in that category that says, if that's a Christian, then I do wanna be a Christian, right? Let's live our lives in such a way, the beautiful life in Christ, so that when people see us, they're impressed by Christ in us. They watch to see how you dress, church. So dress appropriately. They watch and see how you spend your money. So be wise and careful and generous and spend it on the right things. Or put some money back for savings for a rainy day. That's part of it too. I guess maybe I should say more, they see more how you steward your resources. They watch how you speak to your coworkers. They're watching while you not only talk to them, but talk about them they're listening. Are the things that you're saying about your co-workers behind their back something that Jesus would be pleased with? They're watching. They're watching. They watch to see how you treat your spouse. Are you rude to your spouse? Are you indifferent to your spouse? Do you belittle your spouse in front of other people? They're watching. They're watching. They watch to see how you, treat your, how you, how you raise your children. Are you taking care to raise your children? Are you taking care of your grandchildren in the right way? How how are you dealing with that? They they watch and see how you are at school, young people. They're watching. Your classmates are watching you. They watch and see how you deal with difficult people. Maybe if you, this happens so often, especially this time of year. You're standing in line at a, I don't know, grocery store, Walmart, someplace, wherever, right? It's a long line, right? It's always a long line in the holidays, and you're, you're usually between someone in the front of you, behind you, and there's like you know, 12 people in front of you. And, and, and if that registered person is not doing it quickly, you're gonna hear a comment, aren't you? How many times what I'm talking about? you I tell you what, they just You think, man, what's up? It's, it's gonna be okay. So do you join in with that? Like, yeah, boy, they just need to find another job, or they're just awful. Do you join in with that? Or do you say, wait a minute, you know, maybe they're having a bad day. You know what, it's okay. I'm just thankful there's someone here. I mean, kind of glass half full the thing, right? pivot and and be a blessing. Be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. Don't get sucked in by people's negative junk and and maybe they're in a bad mood in front of you and behind you. They're in a hurry. They just had an argument with their spouse. Maybe they can't afford what they're buying right now because they know that they can't even pay their power bill, but yet they got to get these groceries, right? All kinds of stuff going on there and the Holy Spirit can help us with that. And that's where the Holy Spirit gives us that discernment to say, wait a minute, I want to live a beautiful life around people that I don't even know. I'll probably never see them again. But this moment, I'm going to say and do something that's going to represent Christ well. People are watching us. They watch and see how you respond when, when tragedy strikes. A loved one passes away. You lose your job. You get the report from the doctor. Something happens that turns your life upside down. People are watching you. And they're seeing how you respond in those situations. Are you going to curse God, turn from God? Are you going to do something that is opposite of what you profess in your walk with Christ? People are watching, and the Holy Spirit can help us to walk these things out when these opportunities come our way. Unless you aren't aware that you're being watched, and a lot of times you're not even aware that you're being watched until much later. Months may pass. Years may pass. And then you receive some form of communication telling you someone knew you way back when and your Christian example played a big part in their coming to Christ. You just never know because we plant, don't we? And we water, don't we? But God brings the increase. And it could be that the interaction that they have with you is something that's important for them to water because five years ago, someone was faithful to be a good representation of Christ in their particular situation. And we are part of the process of bringing people to Christ as we use wisdom to let the Holy Spirit let us live a beautiful life among other people. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16 says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. In other words, that they may see your beautiful life and glorify your Father in heaven. This is not about us, is it? I live a beautiful life. No, we live a life by the mercy and grace of God that is a reflection and a representation of Christ and Christ alone. Every day, church, listen to me, every day and in every opportunity, you're either drawing people to the light of Jesus or you're pushing them further away by your words and by your deeds. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's daughter, wonderful speaker, definition of a saint, wonderful woman of God, she gives a definition of a saint that goes like this. A saint is a person who makes it easy to believe in Jesus. So are you living your life in such a way, a beautiful life, for when people observe you and listen to you, are you making it easy for them to believe in Jesus? It's really a worthy goal for all of us, is it not? And all we say and all we do towards others, may we live a wise life, follow, following hard after God. Eh, helping us to develop a heart of wisdom so that we can live a beautiful life of purity in Christ, in front of others, that makes it easy for others to follow Jesus. It's just a great, great goal to live after. Here's the fourth part of James' uh, keys in living a, 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 a wise life, and that is this. It's a gentle spirit. James says he should show it by his works in wisdom's gentleness. So, so there's, a, there's this quality that we have to have. It's not just living a beautiful life, but there's a gentleness that needs to be as part of that. In other words, it can't be arrogant. It, it, it can't be boastful. It can't be proud. But there needs to be a gentleness that's there. There needs to be a humility. There needs to be a meekness. This is the final proof of a life filled with God's wisdom. Such a person lives with gentleness. In fact, Jesus used this in the third beatitude in Matthew 5, 5, this word gentle. He said, blessed are the the meek or blessed are the gentle. It's the same thing. For they will inherit the earth. Now, I've preached on this before. For those of you who have heard this, so bear with me because I've got to say this again as part of this message. It goes perfectly with it, perfectly with it. The word meekness, write this down, the word meekness means power under control. Meekness rhymes with weakness, but it's the furthest thing from being weak. All of us have a power in our lives. All of us have an energy, a strength about us. And if it's harnessed in the right way, under God's control, it can, it can do great things for the glory of God. If it's not harnessed and we're just wild, like a wild stallion, in fact, we talked about this in the messages before. When you meek a horse, you can actually look it up. You can look this up hundreds of years ago, back in the day, back in Europe, whenever they were to train a wild stallion, they would call it meeking a horse. And what they're saying is, is this, there's a lot of strength. And you know what I'm talking about, Wendy. There's a lot of power in a horse, is there not? And those horses, if they're not trained in the right way, they'll throw you off, they'll hurt you, <laughs> they'll do some great damage. But if they're meeked, if they're trained, if they're taught to, to do certain things in the right way, you rein in that, that energy for the purposes, it'll, I mean, it'll, it'll, pull, a, it'll pull a stagecoach, it'll, 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 it'll do a lot of the horses, the pow- that's why they call ho- cars a lot of horsepower in a car, right? There's horsepower in a car. There's a lot of power in a horse. But if it's just out as a wild stallion, it's running loose. But God needs to rein us in and take us and make our strength, which all of us have, and rein us in, and, 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 and we need to give him control of our power. All of us have it. Now, meekness is used to describe mild words. It's used to describe maybe a soothing medicine. It's used to re- describe refreshing wind. And it's used to, to describe a horse that's been tamed. Now, what do these four things have in common? This, the words, the medicine, the wind, the horse. Well, they all represent different forms of power that can be harnessed for good or for evil. Words can either hurt or words can help. Medicine can kill, but it can also heal. Wind can destroy, but wind can also refresh and also can be harnessed for energy. A horse can run wild or can be tamed and harnessed for good. Know this, a meek horse is not a weak horse, but a powerful beast brought under its master's control. And used in this context, meekness, the gentleness, James was speaking of means my power, not as a wild beast anymore, doing what I want to do, but my power under God's control. Gentleness, meekness is God's Controlling our power as we intentionally volunteer and say, here's my strength, here's my power. And I'm not just talking about physical strength, you guys. I'm talking about mental, physical, emotional, relational, all of who we represent as a person. All of that strength is to be harnessed by God for his glory. It's a character, by the way, most often needed when dealing with disagreeable people. And I know that none of us in here have ever dealt with a disagreeable person, but just in case down the road you do deal with someone that's disagreeable, this is going to help you write this down. Left to our own devices, our words and actions in response to those who are difficult can hurt, can damage, and can leave a path of destruction. Have you ever said or acted out in such a way towards someone that you know is damaging them? I know I have. I know we have. There's a lot of scriptures, in fact, that speak to this. There's one of them that says this in Proverbs 12, 18. It says, the words of a reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Okay? I would say the better we opt for the gentle spirit provided by the Holy Spirit, amen? Give us a wise tongue that has words of healing. Proverbs 16:24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb. How many likes honey? Oh, there's something about honey, right? Just sweet. Mmm, honey. Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. As, as honeycomb is to our physical enjoyment, so are gracious words to a person's heart and soul. Gracious words, gentle words, Our words that have been reined in by the power of the Holy Spirit so that only the words that are helpful and healing come out of our mouths. Only those actions will come out towards others so that it's helpful and healing. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk. In other words, don't don't let any talk that is hurtful, that is evil, that is damaging, that is hateful, that is just vile and just ah, angry, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Let me just say, church, just because it comes into your mind doesn't mean it needs to come out of your mouth. There's a lot of things that come into my mind that come out, that come out of my mouth. And same for you, right? I mean, think about all the stuff that does come out of your mouth. And you think, man, I wish I hadn't said that. And I know you're filtering and I get that. That's good. But filter, let the Holy Spirit filter it all the way. Let him take the reins of your tongue 100% of the time. That should be our goal. Here, yeah, you may think a lot of stuff, but just give it to the Lord. Say, Lord, that's not helpful. That's not encouraging. And we go back to the scripture. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So let that be a criteria. Lord, I'm gonna bite my tongue even if I have to bite it in half But I'm not gonna say what is in my mind right now because I know, even though it's maybe, I feel like I'm justifying it somehow because you hurt me, that person hurt me, I'm not gonna say it. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. I'm gonna walk away and count to 10, 100, or a million, whatever I need to do. And then I'm gonna come back and say, all right, I love you. I forgive you. I'm sorry. Words that heal, you know, words that help words that strengthen, words that build others up, not tear others down, and words that benefit those who listen. What a great goal. God, take the reins of our tongues and help us today to not say and do those things that are hurtful to others. Meekness, our strength under God's control is what is needed it's a yielding the reins of our tongues and attitudes to the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does this meekness look like in our daily lives? I'm gonna give you three practical answers here. This is not by any means exhaustive, but these are three that I wanna point out to you that may be helpful. Maybe three, uh, maybe primary things that we kind of, maybe many of us deal with in our daily lives. There's three practical answers in how we interact with others. Write these down. Here's the first one. Gentleness when provoked. Mm. It's hard. It's not, hard to be, it, it really is, it's not hard to be gentle when your life is good, is it? It's not hard to be gentle when you feel no pressure. By the way, that's not meekness. That's just being nice. True godly gentleness and meekness is seen when you're under the gun. When you're up against a deadline, when you're surrounded by problems, when you're being poked constantly, when you're being relentlessly annoyed, and as a result, you feel yourself getting frustrated. Frustrated. These are tests to see how we're coming along. God allows those tests in our life to grow us, to make us more like Jesus and less like ourselves. I know that I need to be more like Jesus and less like me. How many would say amen, not to my declaration, but to your declaration that you need to be the same way? I got several people like, yeah, amen, Pastor Brian. I need to be a whole lot more like Jesus and less like you. I'm talking about you now. Yeah, nice try. James 1, verses 2 through 4 says this. <laughs> Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Man, that maturity, well, that maturity as you go through stuff is, is such a great goal for us to live for, right? When you're facing tests, it's a great time to stop and ask the Holy Spirit to take the reins of your unbridled strength and harness it for Him. Because a seeking heart makes wise choices that produces a beautiful life that's marked by a gentle spirit. So gentleness when provoked. Whenever and ever you ever get provoked, remember that. Here's the second one. boldness in the face of evil. Oh, there's a lot of evil going on right now, and it's gonna get worse, by the way, you guys, okay? It's not gonna get better, it's gonna get worse out there. So we've gotta know in whom we believe and be persuaded that He is able to keep that which we've committed to him until that day and be bold in the face of evil, church. Boldness is an important ingredient the Holy Spirit provides for us. In fact, boldness, we haven't talked about this a few weeks ago, boldness is needed for us to be even... Uh, for us to even be an effective witness for Christ. But boldness without brokenness is just a bully. I'll say that again. Brokenness, rather boldness without brokenness is just being a bully. You can be bold all day long and be a bully, or you can be bold and broken, and then this is where we're going with that. That's what the Lord's wanting us to, to, to get a hold of, is to be broken. Boldness tempered by brokenness. Of our strength. In other words, harnessing our strength, yielding our strength under the control of the Holy Spirit is great gain. Psalm 51 17 says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A contrite and broken heart, you, God, will not despise. God cannot work through the proud. God cannot work through the arrogant, will not work through the proud or arrogant. He's looking for humility, he's looking for brokenness. He wants you to be bold, but he needs you to be broken when we humble ourselves and become broken and allow our strength to be harnessed, just like a horse is broken by his wild strength, but then the horse yields to the meeking of the person meeking him, we will become gentle men and we will become gentle women who will speak up for God without fear and without favor. If you've ever heard a Christian speaking out and the warning bells in your heart, those red flags start going off, what that is is the Holy Spirit actually is telling you that this person is not being gentle. If there's a harshness that's coming out, you just know it. You can just tell. The Holy Spirit's saying that's, that person is being a bully. There's a boldness that's there that is not tempered by a brokenness. They're not reined in. They're just hitting it hard. Your, your spirit will bear witness with that one way or the other. Church, being too loud, being too angry, being too quick to speak without the gentleness of the Lord and the reigning of the Holy Spirit is simply just being a bully. And church, the world doesn't need any more bullies. What is being said, by the way, may be true. And what you're saying may, might even need to be said. But it comes across kind of tainted with arrogance and condescension because there's no brokenness there. You see, if we're going to be bold, and by the way, we should be bold, we need to be bold, God's called us to be bold, then let's ask God to give us that gentle meekness that makes our message, makes our life, the words that we say, our actions, worth listening to. Otherwise, we end up sounding like bullies. There's a lot of scriptures that go with this, but it's a very familiar one that I just felt like I needed to add to this. 1 Corinthians 13, one says, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, you can kind of add in there, if I don't have meekness if i don't have gentleness and if i don't have the spirit of christ in me if i don't have the brokenness in me that comes with me yielding my heart and life to him if i don't have the love of christ if i don't have the love and everything that that love entails then i'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal and i'll just add one more thing i'm just being a bully no one's going to listen to it it's going to push them away You see, a seeking heart makes wise choices that produce a beautiful life marked by a gentle spirit. Here's the third thing. Humility to not promote yourself. Humility to not promote yourself. Gentleness, our strength harnessed by the Holy Spirit, does not call attention to ourselves. Sometimes we talk about ourselves too much. Sometimes we brag about who we know, what we've done, where we've been, how much we know, how much we own because we want to make sure others give us the respect and the dignity and the admiration that we think that we deserve. Church, Proverbs 27 2 says, let someone else praise you, not your own mouth. Let a stranger praise you, not your own lips. Something important to that, there's a humility that's there. Church, listen to me this morning. If you have to tell someone how great you are, then how great could you possibly be? In fact, when you do that, it actually results in the opposite of what you intend to happen. Do you realize that when you boast like this, it actually diminishes you in other people's eyes? It does. Think about that the next time you decide that you're gonna try to maybe brag on yourself and make yourself look great. You know, Michael Jordan didn't have to brag about being the greatest that ever was, did he? his play on the court spoke for itself. Now, we all have insecurities. We all, have, we all want people to like us. We all want people to think we're great. But true gentleness, our strength harnessed by the Holy Spirit, doesn't point people to us and our supposed greatness. But true gentleness always points people to Jesus and his supreme greatness. He's the only one that we should boast of, amen? Amen? You know, the Holy Spirit in you always points people to Jesus. That's one of his jobs. John 15, 26 is when the helper comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father. Jesus said this, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The spirit of truth in us, the Holy Spirit is always going to testify, not about us, but about him in us, Christ in us, our hope of glory. I'm sure you're great. Yes, to the apple of God's eye, I know that. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, that's true. And yes, you've served the Lord these many years, and you've done a lot of wonderful things for the Lord. Thank you. But let your boasting not be in those things, but be in Christ in you who is doing those things. 2 Corinthians ten seventeen says, says pretty clearly, let no one who boasts boast. Let the, rather, let the one who boasts Boast in the Lord. Pretty simple. Let him who boasts, boast in the, who? The Lord. Let him who boasts, boast in who? Say Jesus with me. Let him who boasts, boast in who? Jesus. You see, this is a sign of a wise and broken person whose strength is being harnessed for God's glory. It's a great example of a beautiful life marked by a gentle spirit. So, I'm going to close with this. How do we develop a seeking heart that makes wise choices that produces a beautiful life marked by a gentle spirit. Well first it's got to come from the Lord because it's not a natural trait for us. Our flesh wants to boast our flesh wants to do the opposite of what this scripture is all about. Worldly wisdom will cause you to boast, will make you a bully, will not connect your heart with anybody. And you'll just be this arrogant bully walking around thinking you're all that and you're actually nothing at all. Because the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. It's a Holy Spirit thing, church. We must acknowledge that we're fools without God and ask for his wisdom as James said for us to do in James 1.5. Read the book of James, you guys. It's a great book. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask of God who gives generously to all who find without finding fault and it will be given to you. See, a lot of times I think the world says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should go and buy the latest book from Oprah or Dr. Phil or whatever else. Oh, there's some wisdom right there. Yeah, yeah. Now, there may be some seeds of wisdom in there, but let me just tell you, not to disparage anybody, but if you're looking for the wisdom that you need to live a life of gentleness and humility before others, you need to ask God for his wisdom, and he will give you, he'll, he'll, he'll give you just a little bit, just a tiny little bit. He's very sparing in that, is he not? Isn't that what it says? Oh, wait a minute. It says he'll give generously to all without finding fault. Oh, that's just the opposite of what we think. God's wisdom is limitless. Whatever wisdom that you need, ask him, and he's not going to hold it back. He's going to pour it into you as much as you need, whenever you need it, all the time. Isn't that good to know? Yeah. The fear, the reverence of the Lord, relationship with Him is where this wisdom begins and grows. We must have not just an idea of who Jesus is. I have a knowledge that Jesus is God's Son. Good for you. So does Satan. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's where it counts. The world there's a lot of people in the world that acknowledge Jesus as God's son, but they've not given their heart to him. They don't have a relationship with him. The fear of the Lord, the respect and reverence of the Lord is the beginning, the Bible says, of wisdom. So I'm going to have a relationship with God. I'm not going to not have a relationship with God and hope that I get his wisdom. You can't have one of the, you got One comes with the other, right? I'm going to have a relationship with God and there comes his wisdom. I'm not going to do my own thing and say, all right, God, give me wisdom. He's like, you got to have a relationship with me. You've got to have a reverence and a respect and a fear for me. You've got to have a relationship with my son, Jesus Christ. That's the beginning of wisdom. And that's where we had that journey. Here's the second thing. First off, it only comes from God because it's not on our own strength. We're fools without him. And second, we only develop this wisdom by being around difficult people and being in difficult circumstances. Yeah. Now, God allows these things to happen for our growth in him. The world is not a playground church. The world is a classroom. Life is not a holiday church, but life is an education. We're enrolled in the school of life, and no one's going to graduate this side of heaven. We'll get our diploma when he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Every man, every woman, every situation, every difficult and challenging circumstance, those are our teachers. We have something to learn from every person we meet and everything that we go through. Don't complain about circumstances. Your complaints change nothing. Don't resent difficult people. That changes nothing. Don't moan about hard challenges. That changes nothing. Don't ask why. Ask what? Ask the Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? The why is implied, why? Because you're alive, because you're in this broken world, because we're people that are inherently broken. That's why we go through difficult circumstances and meet difficult people. We're all broken, that's why. What is the wiser question to ask? What do you want me to learn from this, God? What of me do I need to die? And what of you do I need to put in? That's wisdom. That develops in you a wise heart that produces a beautiful life marked by a gentle spirit. So I ask this question as I started last week. I'll end it with this question. Are you a wise person? As we've seen, the question may be simple, but the answer to it really isn't simple because it's a journey. We all like to think of ourselves as wise, but then we, we kind of make some dumb mistakes, don't we? We'll never really walk in wisdom without God's help. Godly wisdom. So here's a reminder of that sentence that sums up this verse. A seeking heart makes wise choices that produce a beautiful life marked by a gentle spirit. The Holy Spirit is here today to help us live a wise life in Christ. So I ask you, do you want this today? Do you you want to live a wise life in Christ? Are you tired of being a fool and doing foolish things? Are you tired of being a bully? Are you tired of being indifferent, uncompassionate, unconcerned? Are you tired of living a life like the world lives? Are you tired of following the patterns of this world? Do you want to say, wait a minute, there's some things in my life that I need to repent of and change today? I'm going to change the trajectory of my life and I'm going to walk a life that is godly wise starting today. You're not going to be 100% wise in a week or a year. Or 50 years you'll never be 100% wise you'll never get that diploma until you see Jesus face to face but it's a worthy goal for us to press towards is it not to press towards the mark of the high calling that we have in Christ Jesus and one of those aspects of that mark is godly wisdom I want to just encourage you today to yield to the Holy Spirit give him the reins of your thinking your emotions your life and then follow hard after god today make jesus priority number one and as you yield to the holy spirit you're going to grow in that relationship with jesus you'll, you'll become more godly wise you're going to make more wise choices and not so many foolish ones you're going to produce a beautiful life people are going to look at you and say there's something different about you there's a brokenness is there This person is gentle. There's something there. I'm watching the circumstances in their life. And if that were me, I would have responded this way. I would have said this. I would have thought that. But they're totally different. And I'm seeing the result of that. And it's a lot better than the outcome that I would have. Because I actually responded that way. And I messed up. But they're doing well. Even in the midst of their challenges. I want that beautiful life. Not perfect life. But the beautiful life. That brokenness. That yieldiness of spirit. Others are going to see that. They're going to desire it. that you walk in that humility and gentleness, that strength harnessed towards others. I want you to stand with me this morning. And I'm just going to just, this is really a thing between you and the Lord again. As we close out here today, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes. It really is, really not important at all what's going on around you or what's going to be happening later on today. There's, the Lord wants to do business with some people's hearts right now. And I think just very clearly, i be very specific here today, that there's a heart issue right now in someone's life here today, maybe several. It's a heart issue. And that heart issue, is, it says, you're living a life, the Holy Spirit's saying this to you, you're living a life that is worldly-wise, which the Bible says is foolishness. Okay, So you're living a life that's foolish because you're not yielding your heart to the Holy Spirit so that you can live a beautifully wise gentle life you're, you're mean you're angry, you're unforgiving you're hateful you're arrogant, you're boastful you're indifferent you're jaded you're hard hearted, you're you're hurt there's a lot of stuff that could be part of why you do that you're you're easily influenced by others boy stick up your finger and wet it and see which way the wind is blowing and that's the way you're going to go that day because that's the way the culture is I don't know why you are how you are what's brought you to this place but I do know that God can change it but he's not going to force himself on you no he never will But the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now. That's a good thing, by the way. We need to be convicted, church. We need to be convicted of our sin, of our foolishness, of our error of our ways. So Holy Spirit, convict us. Those of us that need to be convicted of living a a worldly wise life, it's a foolish life in your eyes. We make mistakes, we say and do things that are the poorest representation of you. And we don't wanna be that way anymore to our families to our co-workers to our classmates to total strangers help us lord to yield ourselves to you meek us let us have a gentle spirit a broken and contrite spirit that we wouldn't be boastful and think that we're all that the bag of chips but lord that we would consider us who we are as that we are simply sinners saved by grace. Your mercy has been poured out on us and we're no better than anybody else except that Jesus, you've forgiven us. You've covered us in your blood. We have been restored in right relationship to God the Father because of Jesus, what you've done. So now, Lord, help us to yield our tongues to you, our thoughts, our emotions, the words that we say, our actions, everything about us heart issue and we give you our hearts today we're sorry for being foolish for embracing the world's wisdom today help us at this very moment to embrace godly wisdom to yield to you Holy Spirit that your wisdom would begin to uh, steer the strength of our life we give you the reins of our strength, of who we are, and may it come out humble, broken, kind, gentle, and the best representation of you. That's a good step to take today, Lord. We want to be godly wise. Help us to follow hard after you so that we can have a Be an expert in wisdom, become a specialist in it, more and more, so that as we do, we can live a beautiful life, marked by a gentle spirit, which comes back around to following heart after you. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, as I'm praying right now, I know that you're doing a work in people's hearts. If that's you today and the Lord is just stirring your heart, I don't need you to lift up your hand. I don't need you to step forward. I just need you to just acknowledge this to the Lord right now. And if you're at home watching this, and young people, as you're in that classroom right now, I just want you to just do business with the Lord for just a moment. In your own way, you can say something like, Jesus, that's that's me. He's speaking to me. Holy Spirit, you're speaking to me. I need that wisdom. I yield to you. My heart, you know, in your own way. There's no special, fancy words. You know, there's not some package, packaged, precise words. He just wants to hear your heart. So just tell him in your own way what you need him to do right now. Why not you just do that? I'm gonna take a few moments and just let you speak to him in your heart. today be the first day of the rest of our lives in this area. Lord, every day that prayer we just prayed, let us pray it again tomorrow. A heartfelt sentiment, a heartfelt cry. This is, Lord, take my tongue, take everything that we just prayed, just do it again today. Just do it again today. Do it again today, and then the next day, and then the next day, and then Lord, help us to grow in your wisdom, in your godly wisdom. Let's live a beautiful life marked by your grace and your gentleness. Thank you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. And all God's people said amen.